Welcome to Beyond the Page, a podcast from People's World. I'm Matt Bernico. And I'm Chauncey K. Robinson. Beyond the Page is the podcast companion to People's World. Beyond the Page brings you in-depth interviews with journalists and activists on the most pressing stories on progressive politics, labor, and the struggle for socialism in the United States. In the last few weeks, COVID rates in the U.S. have spiked back up to the levels that we saw them at the very beginning of this pandemic. And as the conversation in this country moves to vaccines and lockdowns, we thought we'd take a look at how the U.S. has been impacting other countries during this global health crisis. This week, we're joined by a special guest, Alan McLeod, to talk about COVID-19 and the struggle for a vaccine in Cuba. Let's go to the interview. Today, we're joined by Alan McLeod. He is a senior staff writer at Mint Press News, but you can also find his work in Fair Media Watch and on The Guardian. He is also the author of two very cool books called Bad News from Venezuela, 20 Years of Fake News and Misreporting, and also Propaganda in the Information Age, Still Manufacturing Consent. Alan, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you. Cool, thanks. Um, Well, you've done some really fascinating work and important reporting, I think, in your recent article in Mint Press News titled Revolutionary Medicine. Cuba could be on the brink of a revolutionary COVID vaccine, but U.S. sanctions are slowing them down. In your article, you lay out some of the promising news about the development of a COVID vaccine in Cuba and the difficulties that Cuban doctors have had to persevere through to, you know, given the ongoing U.S. blockade of Cuba. So would you mind just giving us a broad overview of the story for those who might not have read your article? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So I suppose the world is abuzz now um, with the hope that the um, coronavirus might be starting to go into our back windows now because um, it looks like there's a number of separate vaccines from around the world that are showing a lot of promise. Uh, Four of them actually come from one small island in the Caribbean, that's Cuba. And uh, the Cuban government, uh, through their biotech industry, are trialing these. And all four of them are showing um, pretty successful signs so far. The problem is, is that U.S. sanctions are really slowing this down. Um, As probably most people know, uh, Cuba is under sanctions and has been for decades from the U.S. It's basically a blockade on the island, meaning uh, it's very difficult to import goods and export goods. Even during the coronavirus, this has been a huge problem. So, for instance, there was a Swiss company that the Cuban government had been buying ventilators from. But then the Swiss company got bought up by an American uh, corporation. And that meant that suddenly this American corporation was no longer allowed to sell to Cuba. And that meant that the island couldn't get any ventilators in. Um, Also, the Cuban government has a serious problem raising capital. It can't really get any sorts of loans from international organizations because the United States is so influential in those organizations that it blocks any sort of transfer of wealth or money to Cuba. So that's meant that um, the Cuban government can't even buy uh, the necessary things needed to trial these medicines, you know, the packs, the syringes, etc. And uh, other countries simply are a bit afraid to trade with Cuba because they know that uh, the United States might um, put on secondary sanctions uh, to them. So that could be countries, it could be uh, corporations. Um, you're, it basically, if you trade with Cuba, you run the risk of falling afoul of Washington. Uh, Cuba's obviously dealt with this for decades, and this is kind of a microcosm of what's been going on uh, on the island for such a long time. But the thing is, is that this is now really starting to affect the rest of humanity, because this is some of the best news coming out of 2020. And the problem is it's being slowed down by the US government. So I think Americans should really start to take a look at what their government's doing because it's starting to affect them, not just the Cubans. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Throughout the ongoing COVID pandemic, 
you know, despite all this um, antagonism that's been going on towards U- the U.S., towards Cuba, we've heard stories of the Cuban medical brigades giving foreign aid to countries around the world. So if you don't know much about Cuba, it might be surprising, right, to find that this small country facing intense economic sanctions can spend their time and energy on humanitarian missions. Can you tell us a bit about the medical brigades in Cuba and the role they've played in the way the international community has helped with the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things wrong with Cuba, but one of the best things about it is its healthcare system. It's got a long history of having fantastic um, medical and health provisions for its citizens. That kind of goes all the way back to the days of Che Guevara, who was this revolutionary Argentinian doctor who led the revolution in 1959. And today, Cuba has the highest per capita uh, rate of doctors in the world, far surpassing the US, the UK, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, any country you can name. Um, In Havana, they have one of the uh, largest medical schools in the world called the Latin American School of Medicine, where people from all over the world come to train, even American students go there. And uh, dozens of them every year go there for free and they're paid Uh, to study medicine on the Cuban government dime. And Cuba actually pays those doctors to go back to the United States as long as they uh, vow to serve disadvantaged communities in America. So over the last uh, few months, I've been speaking to quite a lot of Americans who have gone there, some from uh, Harlem in New York, some from Milwaukee, some from San Diego. And uh, they go there, get an excellent education, go back to the United States, start practicing whatever sort of medicine they're doing. And their colleagues are always very surprised when they don't join in the conversation about, you know, what are we going to do with the medical debt? How do we refinance it? Uh, Because these guys, they don't have any debts whatsoever. In fact, you know, they get paid to do it. Um, Cuba has doctors in most countries in the world. Um, In fact, one thing I found out by speaking to these American doctors is that there are actually more uh, doctors in Africa that were trained in Cuba than were trained in all of Africa itself. So this sort of uh, medical internationalism has a massive effect on the the rest of the world, particularly the developing world, which we really don't hear much about. So many of the poorest countries are served by Cuban doctors, um, but we probably wouldn't know about that. Um, What we have seen during the coronavirus pandemic is uh, these doctors even going to rich countries like, for instance, Italy, where they were were greeted as heroes in the streets of uh, the north of Italy and Lombardy. For instance, they were clapped wherever they went, and they were actually um, nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, which they didn't win. The World Food Program was given it, but um, that got a lot of attention. Sometimes the U.S. government claims that they are treated little more than slaves, actually. But the reality is, is that these doctors who go abroad, there's a huge waiting list because it's a very popular thing for Cuban doctors to do because it's a way to see the world. And in fact, they actually get paid more if they go to uh, another country and uh, work there. So they often come back and are quite flush with cash and they're able to bring in foreign goods as well. So it's a very um, prestigious thing to do and it's uh, very good for their bank balance. So yeah, Cuba has this uh, long history of uh, helping other countries and it's one reason why it's got such a positive, um, it's thought of so positively around the world uh, in places like Africa, around Latin America and in Asia. But um, we don't really hear about that very much in Europe or North America. Thanks. That's a really helpful explanation of uh, of the medical brigades and like what's going on there. 
Um, one thing that you mentioned that I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about is the ways that Cuban doctors have been defamed or have, uh, you know, they've been criticized um, by uh, United States politicians and the media. Uh, for example, Secretary Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State in the United States, uh, he's like infamously said back in January that uh, that the the medical brigades in Cuba are a form of human trafficking. And I think that's a, a pretty interesting way to put it. <laughs> um, but being a person who uh, writes a lot about... Um, media and reporting and uh, bias. I don't know. What do you make of that kind of thing? What uh, what are these uh, countries like the United States doing when they're trying to uh, smear the name of these uh, Cuban doctors? Well, I think uh, Cuba poses a threat uh, to the United States, and it's not a military threat or anything. It's the threat of a good example. Uh, these sorts of um, uh, shows of solidarity across the world are quite powerful to the people who receive treatment. You know, across Latin America, if you've had an eye operation or some sort of very uh, difficult surgery and you're poor, chances are, there's, well, there's a good chance that it will be being performed by a Cuban. And uh, as you said, yeah, Mike Pompeo has been talking about this being a human trafficking operation and uh, justified that. Uh, that's his justification for even uh, increasing the sanctions on Cuba. But when you actually look at the defection rate of these doctors, it's extremely low indeed, which certainly suggests that this is not a trafficking operation at all. And uh, when you talk to the doctors and nurses themselves, they say they're there because they are revolutionaries and uh, they've been trained and they want to actually help people. So there's certainly uh, two different ways of looking at these um, of these doctors. And uh, yeah, the United States has got its own uh, specific way of looking at it, but I'm not sure how accurate that really is. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I think that's a, a helpful explanation. Well, on the other side of things, um, early on in the pandemic, we've seen uh, Trump and other right-wing politicians in the United States um, basically stealing and seizing medical equipment, as well as just dominating the market on the medical equipment, leaving little room for you know what you might call developing countries uh, to buy up supplies. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the ways that U.S. imperialism has shown itself throughout this COVID pandemic? Yeah, I think the coronavirus has really brought out the best and the worst of a lot of people and a lot of countries as well. And unfortunately, the US has led the world in stealing stuff from other countries. There was stories earlier on in the year, for instance, from China, where American agents were literally hijacking planes on runways and offering uh, the pilots uh, money to send the goods, whether they be masks, ventilators, PPE, what have you, to the US rather than to uh, Italy, to France, to Canada, to Caribbean countries. Um, there's been a lot of countries that have been stiffed by the US. Uh, not only that, the US uh, led uh, a project uh, against Iran, which was to make sure that uh, the Islamic Republic couldn't really um, import any sort of PPE or ventilators or masks when they were having the worst of their outbreak in, I think it was April. And uh, that led to other countries just refusing to sell to Iran, knowing that uh, they might incur the wrath of Mike Pompeo. In the end, the World Health Organization had to step in itself and just loan Iran all of this, uh, all of this PPE that it had. And that's one of the reasons why the Trump administration decided to leave the World Health Organization later in the year. Um, the U.S. has also pressured other Latin American countries, which it has very good relationships with, to kick out these Cuban doctors. So we've seen Brazil, Ecuador, and Bolivia doing just that, uh, ejecting thousands of Cuban doctors just on the eve 
of a coronavirus pandemic. And what we've seen is that uh, those doctors could have played uh, a, a really important role in those countries. Unfortunately, those three that I mentioned are three of the worst hit uh, countries in the entire world uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. And that's got quite a lot to do with the actions of the U.S. Do you think, you know, just to follow up on that, do you think that has to do with the like you were saying, like why the U.S. is so, you know, or, you know, tends to go after Cuba? A lot? Do you think that has to do with their fear of, um, you know, people kind of stepping back, especially in the midst of so many dying, like we already had over, you know, a quarter of a million here in the United States and uh, other places kind of stepping back and being like, you know, what's the difference here? Like, what's the difference in terms of the the mental set of the, the values of the system when it comes to how these people treat the sick and these people, you know, treat uh, the situation versus a more for-profit kind of system? Do you think um, that's um, what they're really afraid of, people kind of seeing the difference with the with the systems there between the, the different areas? Oh, I think that's a really good point. You know, um, with the coronavirus pandemic and this unprecedented public health crisis that we're facing across the world, thoughts about having a public health system have really come to the fore. You know, Medicare for All and other um, uh, healthcare solutions have become really, really popular in the US in the last few years. And people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have really started to push these sorts of ideas into the mainstream where before they were kind of in the margins. And so there is really this thought perhaps that uh, uh, Cuba demonstrates some sort of a, a different model, at least in healthcare, that we could be following. And I'm not sure many of the politicians in Washington who are funded by these enormous um, pharmaceutical industries or private healthcare companies really want those sorts of ideas percolating in the American imagination. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, you know, it, it strikes me all as so frustrating that the, the United States kind of goes to these lengths of um, <laughs> of imperialism, but just like straight out hijacking the <laughs> the medical equipment of other countries and then completely dropping the ball when it comes to implementing uh medical care that might actually, you know, do something to help its population. But, um, well, <laughs> that's, a, that's, I guess, another, another story. But um, as far as Cuba goes in your story, uh, what's on the horizon? Like both Russia and the U.S., um, as well as a few others, I think, have developed vaccines at this point. What does all this mean for Cuba going forward? Do you think they'll be able to develop their, their vaccine and distribute it? Um, what would it mean for them if they, if they could? Well, I think anybody making predictions about 2020 have been pretty much disastrously wrong. So I don't yes. want to it, there are a number of countries that have produced uh, promising vaccines and have even started rolling some of them out. The UK is another one. It's difficult to know which one will really take off. But what's clear is that a lot of these Western companies just don't have the uh, the goal uh, to produce billions of vaccines very quickly. You know, Pfizer and Moderna has said, you know, well, we can produce maybe a few hundred million in a year, but that's just not going to be enough for the 7 billion people who live uh, in the planet. So I think there will be a space for a Cuban vaccine if these uh, if these four um, vaccines that they've got in production do indeed turn out to be uh, very well functioning. So I think certainly there's going to be space, especially for countries in the global south, um, to buy vaccines from Cuba. They've got a really good biomedical uh, system there that they've developed over a number of decades. And they're going to need to be pumping out these vaccines because pretty much everyone in the world is going to need uh, them. 
In terms of Cuba's economy, I really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, their economy is based largely on tourism. That's going to be affected for a number of years, I think, frankly. And so it's going to be difficult to make any predictions about Cuba, the US or the coronavirus, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that honesty. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, Alan, thanks so much for joining us. That was, a, that was a, a great word. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Page. If you like what you heard, follow People's World on social media. And remember, we take sides. Yours.